thinking uh, while we were singing that and um, while we were reading our uh, reading this morning from Psalm 112, I was at a meeting yesterday uh, and the preacher was up from uh, Blackburn in England and he's talking here about, in Psalm 112, about his heart is established. Okay, um, he shall not be afraid, he shall not be moved forever. And then we're reading or singing, what a friend there. And he's speaking about solace. This man who was preaching yesterday lost his wife two weeks ago. And two days later had a conference booked in his church. And he still preached it. He still held the conference because his heart was fixed. Amen. Trusting in the Lord. He couldn't take his wife's funeral. He had to get someone else to do that. It was too much for him. But he still went ahead. And a friend of mine went down and preached the conference. You know, and why did he, how could he do that? How could a man do that? 49 years married. Because his heart was fixed. And also because there's a solace that's way beyond the human. Amen. When, when we have uh, a death or a bereavement, we, we, there's a human element, isn't there? People's sympathy goes towards somebody who's lost somebody. We experienced that recently with Agnes's mum. And, but there's a solace, there's a comfort. It's a whole different level. And that is in the arms of our Saviour. Amen. And he comforts supernaturally. And you can experience that. It's not to say that you don't grieve or you don't mourn. Of course you do. But there is a help from heaven. Help of the helpless. I was actually reading this morning about the man that wrote Abide With Me. And he had really bad health problems. And he wrote that. Pretty much almost as he was about to die. Help of the helpless. Oh, abide with me. We need to sing that. You know, we used to sing that song quite a bit. We didn't sing it because it was a funeral. We sang it because the words are so true and so comforting. So there's a solace and a comfort in him. Anyway, praise God for that. So Psalm 112, and we're, we're sort of wading our way through it. Ten verses, but there's a lot in those ten verses, so please continue to read this. And we're really on verse 3 this week. Sorry, verses 3 to, I would say, about 5, and we'll just read them again. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. This is a blessed man. And it's not just for men, it's for people. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favour and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. So let's unpack these verses this morning. And let's just say here, it starts off saying, Wealth and riches shall be in the blessed man's house. We were looking at this yesterday. Uh, some of what we're looking at today, in fact, pretty much all of it, we were looking at yesterday because we asked... The question yesterday at our Arise Scotland meeting, what is the purpose of wealth in the Christian's life? Okay, and we know the love of money is the root of all evil. Doesn't it say, the Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. And you can be as poor as a church mouse, and thank God we don't have mice in this church. Amen. Uh, we've had a few rats through the doors over the years maybe. 
But we've certainly not had mice, amen. And I'm, I'm just joking when I say that, in case you start thinking of people. Because I'm not speaking about any particular. But you use that phrase, don't we, poor as a church mouse. And you could be as poor as a church mouse and be absolutely riddled with the love of money. And that's why uh, a lot of people go on the rob because they're poor, they've nothing, uh, but they've got such a love of money that they'll end up beating up old grannies to get their handbag, they'll rob shops, they'll do everything. They'll even rob charity box. You ever heard of that? I've seen that happen. And it's the love of money. It's the root of all evil. You, you say, well, look at all this evil in the world. What's going on? Well, the answer is the love of money's going on. Amen? So, but we're not talking about when it says wealth and riches shall be in his house. This is a blessed man. This is a Christian. This is the, the man who trusts God or the woman. But God wants the wealth to come to the righteous. And he wants wealth and riches in the believer's house. He wants believers to have good things, nice things. And there's a simple reason for that. Because when we ask ourselves two questions, we get the answer. And it's, just, it's very simple. If wealth was in the hands of the wicked, and it often is, and right now a lot of it is, I think there is just a small handful of people who own over 50% of the world's wealth. Think about that. In a world of 7 billion, there's a small handful that own over half of the wealth. And here's a clue. They're not good folks. And they're not Christians. I'm not saying that they're not all Christians, but most of them aren't. And they don't use their wealth for righteous purposes. They use their wealth to get more wealth and more power so that they can be uh, in control of the world. And that's more and more coming to the fore. So the two questions to ask is, what would the wicked, what will the wicked do with wealth? What do the wicked do with wealth? And the answer is all around us, they make uh, media and goods and so on, they, make, they sell drugs. They have pornography stations. They spread lies, they swindle, they cheat, they stomp on the poor. All the things that the wicked do with money, they do it to make more money. But then we have to ask the second question, what will the righteous do with wealth? If you had a hundred million handed to you right now, what would you do with that money? Would you say, well, that big mansion's mine. I've got to have a Rolls Royce in every colour. I've got to buy all the jewellery that I can get. In other words, would you use the money just to look good, feel good, live good? And there's a level of that which is acceptable. Particularly when you're doing it for your loved ones. You know, the Bible says if a, a, a man asks his father for a fish, will the father give him a stone or give him a, a serpent or give him something that hurts him or that's no value to him? Or, or... So we use our wealth for loved ones, don't we? And if your heart says, well, I'd love to buy a Rolls Royce and give it to Pastor Bill. That's a... <laughs> or I'd love to buy some nice cars and give them to my children and grandchildren. Of course that's acceptable. But the righteous, really, when it comes right down to it, what will they do with wealth? And the answer is, they would fund the kingdom of God, wouldn't they? 
And you know, if, if you don't like what's on those TV stations and you had the money, you could go buy them and say, we're not showing filth anymore. We're not showing programs full of sweary words anymore. And gratuitous sex and uh, ideas that go against God's word. Well, what we're going to do when we buy Sky Television, uh, and what we're going to do when we buy Virgin, is we're going to put gospel programs out. And you know, say, what if people don't watch them? They won't have anything else they can watch. Because we'll buy up all the stations, amen? They'll be that bored, they'll have to switch it on, and they'll hear the gospel, and they'll get saved. And that's how, see, the wicked think like that. The wicked think, you know, we'll, we'll, and you know, we, people mocked her for years, Mary Whitehouse. Didn't they? Oh, she's just trying to spoil people's fun. Or as Hannah would say, she's a fun sucker. That's her rephrase. When you tell Hannah off and she doesn't want to do, or you tell her to stop doing, you're just a fun sucker. And that's what people said about Mary Whitehouse, isn't it? Or she's just trying to, she's a prude. But you know, Mary Whitehouse was making a very powerful point, which is when people have the power and the money to make TV programs, if they're not Christian people, they're going to make stuff. And initially those people, because remember that we used to talk about, it's not so much a thing anymore because you can't be shocked, but they used to say like shock tactics or this program will shock you because they used to make programs to shock people. Didn't they? And, but we're way past that now because people aren't shocked with sin. But the point being that the wealth of the wicked will always be used to promote wickedness. So that's one good reason why God wants wealth and riches in the hands of the blessed man, the blessed woman, the righteous, the children of God, the Christian community. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And look at this, and his righteousness endureth forever. People say, well, money corrupts, you know, don't... If God gives you money, it'll corrupt you. Or if you get money, it'll corrupt you. But not if you're a blessed man. And you know why? It tells us at the start, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. If you've got the fear of the Lord and somebody gave you a hundred million, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change you one bit other than to say, thank you, Lord, I can now put that money towards the kingdom. It wouldn't change your life. You wouldn't say, well, well, you might go and get a nicer house or whatever else. But it's not about that. Because the Bible tells us God looks upon the heart. So the blessed man fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. He doesn't delight in money other than to say, thank you, Lord. I'm delighting that you've given me the opportunity to go and bless those churches, that those ministries, those missionaries or whatever. Does that make sense? So, his righteousness endureth forever. That means he's truly saved, truly righteous. Money doesn't touch his heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But if your treasure is in the Lord, if your treasure is in his commandments, his word, then the money wouldn't touch you. Wouldn't touch your heart. That make sense? So wealth and riches have been his, his righteousness endureth forever. It doesn't, the money does not impact his walk with God. The money does not impact his, who he is in God. 
doesn't change him. You know, there's a lot of controversy in recent months. I mentioned this yesterday. I've been reading a lot about this. We all know what's happening in, or happened in Afghanistan and it's still happening. And there was all that mad clamour to get people out. There was a man called Glenn Beck who's quite a famous TV personality in America and he took it upon himself to go over there and get people out of Afghanistan because, as we all know, the American government were letting their own people down and leaving them there. So Glenn Beck went over and flew... I think over 5,000 eventually people back from Afghanistan, quite a lot. But there's apparently, the story is, and, uh, is that one of the famous American preachers, Kenneth Copeland, gave this man his jet and also many millions of dollars for this project. Now this guy, Kenneth Copeland, has been incessantly attacked, relentlessly attacked, because he's got planes or jets that he uses to, to fly and preach. Why can't he just fly economy? Why can't he just go on a plane and all the rest of us? But you know, God knew there was going to come a time when 5,000 plus people would need rescued from the Taliban and from the incompetence and corruption of the American government. So we ought not judge people just because they have stuff, especially if they will use those resources for the kingdom. And one other thing I found out recently was that a ministry called Teen Challenge, I'm sure you've heard of it, David Wilkerson, Nikki Cruz, I didn't know this until recently. And this was some years ago, it wasn't recent, uh, it happened, was that they received a tithe check, which is a tenth, as we know, from somebody. And guess how much the tithe check was for? $55 million. Somebody had made $550 million in business on some deal or transaction and they had tithed that to Teen Challenge. Amen? Now I'm sure the guy at Teen Challenge said, well, we're not receiving that because it, it may corrupt us. And if anybody makes $550 million or pounds here in this congregation, we do expect a tithe from you. Amen? So, so, you know, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the, the righteous, the Bible tells us. So the wealth, what will the righteous do with it? Well, what would you do with it? You would do good things with it. And, of course, that includes looking after the poor. Well, let's just have a wee look at verse 4. It says, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. And the upright, of course, is the blessed man. There ariseth light in the darkness. What it's saying here is, is when things are dark, the light will shine and rise up upon the blessed man. Scotland needs the people of God to manifest the light and the glory of God right now in the darkness that's all around us. Amen. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. And there it is. That's the man's heart. He is gracious and full of compassion. Because if you're a blessed man, your heart will always be to bless those who are less fortunate. We looked yesterday at the blessing of Abraham. And in fact, we'll, we'll go there in a minute. I just want to show you this. The wealth of the righteous is my, Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 60, sorry. 
It says, unto the, the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. Now, Isaiah chapter 60 is a famous passage of Scripture. We refer to it a lot. And it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. And then it says in Psalm 112, we've just looked at, the light will come in the darkness to the blessed man. You see, when things are dark, for behold, it says in Isaiah 60 verse 2, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness or great darkness the people. Aren't we there right now? Isn't there darkness all around? Spiritual darkness? Uh, you know, I went and picked uh, the children up from Glasgow City Centre yesterday during the day after our meeting. And it, Glasgow's a dark place now. It, there's, there's a lot of sinister, dark, you know, there's that undercurrent. And when I used to come back quite a lot from Carlisle, get the train at night, you, you come out of that central station at night and you'd be rushing to get in the car because the place was, it's a zoo in there. It's like that during the day now. So anyway, but it says here, the Lord shall arise upon thee in the middle of all this darkness and his glory shall be seen upon thee and the nations shall come to your light, the Gentiles, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And then it says in verse 5, the wealth of the seat, the nations shall come unto you. So it's really a mirror passage in some respects of Psalm 112, that the blessed man, God's light will shine upon him and wealth and riches will come to him. But there's a purpose, brothers and sisters. And it's that purpose that I want us to look at this morning. Because am I saying to you, God wants you rich? Yes. Am I saying to you, God wants you rich so that you can... Uh, satiate your selfishness and your lusts with it as in oh I must have this I must have I must have the very best fridge freezer I can't just settle for that one I've got to get the dearest I've got to you understand there are people like that aren't they and there's nothing wrong with wanting good stuff God wants you to have good stuff but when it becomes a thing of you must have it and a lot of people who must have it they get it on credit don't they get it on tick and then they lose their job or something happens, they can't pay it back, and then it gets repossessed. Amen. And why does it get repossessed? Because you didn't really possess it. The finance company did. And I've, I've been there, so I know what I'm talking about. I've had that in the past. You know, when you buy things, on, I'm not saying you, can, you shouldn't buy things on credit. I'm saying when the love of money overtakes you, then... And instead of getting a, 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 a something reliable, say a car that's reliable, and you've got to have the top of the range that costs two and three times as much as the car that would get you free to be anyway. Amen? You can't just have a Timex. I've, I bought myself a Timex this week. £30. Right? And it was nostalgic. My dad used to be a UK sales manager for Timex before he became a football agent and stuff. So I've got an, a, an affection for Timex watches. And, and they're very reliable. But, you know, I didn't say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to get a Rolex and pay £200 a month to look good with my Rolex. Amen? Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. So, you can admire my Timex later. But it's even got an indigo thing, look. Lights up. In the dark. Praise the Lord. So, Psalm 112, uh, verse 5. A good man showeth favour 
and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. A good man shows favour. In other words, a good man will lend money. He'll loan you money. Amen? And you think, you might think reading that, well, you know, that sounds like a loan shark to me. But who's he lending money to? Let's look and see. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. I believe that that's the meaning of this verse here. You could say that when he loans, he's maybe investing in people's businesses. A wise you know, distribution of wealth. Maybe some person he knows that's starting a business. I'll loan you the money to help you get started in business. That's a good thing. But look at what Proverbs 19 verse 17 says. Because really what I'm saying is kingdom wealth. That's what we're talking about. Which is what the blessed man operates in. It's all about the poor. It's not about selfish consumption. Bigger houses, fancy cars, fine clothes. Those things are not wrong. But if that's the motive, that's your heart. But the blessed man has a heart for the poor. Kingdom wealth is about destroying Systemic poverty. Proverbs 19 verse 17 says this. He that hath pity upon the poor. Would you say what we've read of Psalm 112? The blessed man is a man who has pity on the poor. Amen. You have known a couple of guys in my life who weren't saved. One of them got saved. But a couple of people come to mind right now. And there's been quite a few more. But that they've been very, very, had the heart towards the poor. They weren't even saved. And they kept giving. And they kept getting back. They couldn't give enough away that more and more came back. And that's not even saved people. You see, I believe God, if he looks from heaven, and when he sees somebody that has pity upon the poor, that man or that woman is blessed. Where it says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. He that hath pity, or he who gives to the poor, and that which he hath given, will he pay him again. And I want to say this to you. You, you can't give £100, £10, or whatever, to a poor man, and God will just give you that back. God is a multiplier. Isn't he? And that's why, and, I can, and I've seen it in, men, in people's lives, that if, you, if they give to the poor, God multiplies back to them. And I tell you, and I've seen it with my own eyes, you don't even have to be saved. This is a spiritual law. But oh boy, if you're saved and walking this, because you're a blessed man. And you don't do it to get. It's not manipulative. Oh Lord, look, I gave that, that woman £100. I'm expecting a return. No, he that has pity upon the poor. That's your motive. You cannot bear to see somebody poor. And so you give. And, and a lot of the time, Secretly and covertly, because you're not trying to get an audience, you're not trying to get recognition. You're not trying to get people to talk about you and say, look how generous they were. Because this is all a heart thing. So when it says over here in Psalm 112, a good man shows favour and lendeth, I believe he's talking here, he lends to the Lord because he has pity. He's full of compassion, it says, and gracious. I'm talking today about the heart that God wants all of us to have. 
And it's not a mechanical thing, well, I'll start giving it to the poor because then that means God will give me money. I think if you do give to the poor with that motive, he will give you money because God wants to bless the poor. But it's not, it would rather you just did it because you'd pay. Does that make sense? We're not trying to manipulate God or use leverage. We're simply saying, Lord, give us a heart for poor folks. And you might say, and it's true in a lot of ways, that a lot of poor people are, are not really poor because a lot of people in benefits and all that, we, we looked at that yesterday, or, or you know, junkies and people like that. I don't like using that term, but to make you understand what I mean. Drug addicts and other addicts. You might get into their house and they're poor, supposedly, but they've got a bigger telly than you. And they've got all the designer gear. And they've got, and we know that there are con artists, we know that there are people out in the streets begging, so-called. They're sitting there with the latest trainers and, the, and, and it's a job to them. You know, I remember uh, the big issue, finding out that these guys could make 30 quid, or 15 pound it was, because they used to sell the big issue, I think it was a pound or something, and they got half of it. And some places, depending on where you could sell it, you could sell 30 issues of the big issue in 10 minutes. So you could make 15 quid every 10 minutes. And they actually had to stop some people uh, from selling it, you know, going back and getting it, you know, several times a day because they were making fortunes. So you can, you can have the con side of this. But it's not our heart to say, well, you know, they might be trying to con me out of money here. When you know you're being conned and you have to be led by, by the Lord in the matter. But we should be looking to be people who find genuine poverty. Genuine. And it is there. And the other side of it is this, is even those people that have got the big 60-inch TVs in their room, uh, their living room, but they're in benefits, and you say, well, how can they really be poor and so on? They're poor spiritually because they don't know the Lord. Poverty isn't just financial, folks. And, you know, Ray uses a phrase quite a lot about our childhood days, poor but happy. And, you know, there's that side of it too, where you might not have had much, but you had the Lord, you had happiness, you had, as, as Ray was speaking about earlier on, neighbours that cared and that were a support to each other. So poverty isn't always just about money. Amen? It can be a lack of a whole bunch of other things, including health. But God loves the poor. And blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And how will God bring the kingdom of heaven to poor folks? Through the blessed man. Through the blessed community. Through the people of God. That's a big reason why we're here, folks. And the, the blessed man is walking in the blessing of Abraham. And let's just, just very quickly, we'll look at this. We'll close with this. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 12. We looked at this yesterday. This is so vital, though that we should be looking at this a lot more. We do look at the blessing of Abraham a great deal. It's a, a major part of what we're about as Christians because Jesus became a curse to get the blessing of Abraham upon us. Genesis chapter 12 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of your country, from your kindred, from your family, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And watch this. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and blessing 
in the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, didn't mean a pat on the head and I hope, you, hope things go well for you. It meant to empower, to prosper financially. Or, or in other words, it meant I will bless you, it meant I will make you rich. And, and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now watch that. And that's the key thing of all of this when we look at the blessed man. Blessed is the man. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. If we leave it there, we just think, oh, well, it's great to be blessed because God makes you rich. But there's a reason for it, brothers and sisters. And that reason, and thank God we're in a church, quite frankly, that since I was here as pastor, and I know long before, has always been about blessing others. And, and, and um, fundraising for poor folks. The Lodge and House Mission being, being one. And then recently Davey uh, did the sponsor thing for the, the, the city mission. So we, we have, thank God, we've got folks in here with that heart. But look what it says. You shall be a blessing, Abraham. Wasn't blessed just for his own selfish reasons. He was blessed to be a blessing. Amen. So we want to be blessed. We want wealth and riches. But so that we can give to others. And then he says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Every family in the earth was to be blessed through the blessing of Abraham. And that blessing comes on every believer in Christ. So we're here for a purpose, and that purpose is, if we can find some folks that have needs, we meet those needs. If you can find some poor folks that genuinely need it, you bless them. Amen? And, and God promises, I'll pay you back. And he won't just give you the money back, I believe he'll multiply it back. Given it shall be given unto you, said Jesus. Good measure. Press down, shake it together, running over. You'll get back. So you give that amount, and that amount will come back to you. Amen? So you can give more. Because we're supposed to be conduits of God's blessing. And then finally, Genesis chapter 22, because this isn't just something that's a personal, individual thing. This is meant to impact the nations, brothers and sisters. You know, we were a sending nation here in Scotland, here in Britain. We sent missionaries all over the world. We didn't just send folks with Bibles. We sent resources, didn't we? You know, David Livingston from, from Blanta, David's hometown, David Livingston went over there and he was part of, of that wave, that movement of people that went to what we call the third world. And they didn't just take Bibles and try to get folks saved. They took enterprise, they took resources, they built schools, they built hospitals. Why? Because we understood as a nation we had a responsibility. That all that wealth that we had, all that influence all of those resources we had, particularly under Queen Victoria and the Empire, when it was Zenith in those days, we had a responsibility to bless the nations of the earth. And, you know, we, we've had people, we've had people here, we've had people pass them churches here, and they said, from Africa I'm talking about, and they said, we've, we're here today because you blessed us in the past. You brought those things to us. They brought the gospel to us. We didn't have what you had, but you brought it to us 
and we are here to repay that debt. Amen. And you go and speak to some of the folks in the African Caribbean Christian Fellowship this afternoon, they'll tell you that because I know I've heard them saying stuff like that. And here it says Genesis 22. God said to Abram after he had offered Isaac up on the altar, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, uh, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee. Sorry, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. But look at this. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. It's a national thing. The families of the earth be blessed. The nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because you're blessed to bless them. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing to every family, every nation. And you and I are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Which means we inherit his blessings, but we also inherit that responsibility. You see, Psalm 112, we'll close with this. When it says the blessed man, it's not just saying, oh, the blessed man is going to have Rolls Royces, Rolexes, big house, big mansions, fine clothes, designer gear, and eat, eat all the, the good stuff. It's not about that. You're blessed. You can have all that if your heart is pure. But you're blessed to bless others. Less fortunate. Bless the poor. Look after people who can't look after themselves in particular. And God will keep blessing you so you can do more and more of it. Isn't it wonderful to be a blessed man or woman in the earth doing God's purpose, his kingdom purpose, which is to destroy systemic poverty. Thank God that these streets out here are no longer, um, you know, some of the, the buildings that they used to have. And, and everywhere you come from is the same. How many times have you driven by and oh, look at those houses and those flats. They've all been done up. They used to be slums. We, we, we were talking about that yesterday. I don't even remember where it was. I, it was up at uh, uh, St George's Cross. There was flats there that were minging. They've all been done up. Why? Because they've come out of that. And God wants you and I to be his vessels to lift people out of poverty and darkness. Amen. The Lord bless you, folks.